Yes. <laughs> you are listening to Index Foundation podcast. As the exhibition Editorial Thinking came to its close during spring of 2021, Index hosted the release of Delta, an ocean call, a publication on water histories, narratives and practices, published and co-edited by Pontus Pettersson and Isabella Borzeka of PAM Stockholm. The slow release of the publication took place at Index throughout an entire day, with workshops, conversations, performances, readings, and other activations of the work in the new publication. We recorded reflections and interviews with some of the contributors to Delta. Now you can listen to the ripples from the release through conversations on watery matters and the editorial, choreographic processes and practices at the centre of this collaboration. The artists and writers who contributed to the publication are Ronwin Bailey Charteris, Paul Meheke, Axel Anderson, Sindri Runerde, Vibeke Hermanrud, Ellie Vadseth, Daniela Bershan, Sabrina Seifred, DNA, made up of Dina L. Kaiser Frimuth, Neda Sanai, and Anita Baikpour, Every Ocean Hughes, Adam Hafez, Pontus Pettersson, and Alice McKenzie. The publication's graphic designer was Dara Karman. This podcast is the first in a series of three, recorded during publication releases at Index. The need to keep small groups in this space meant that very few people heard these conversations firsthand. Now we release them in another format and listen together. Pontus Peterson and Isabella Borzeka, editors of Delta. Yeah, it's funny that um, because I think Bronwyn when we have emailed with each other, she has called us the Deltans, which is funny. It's like, oh, now we're, you know, Delta is, you know, something <laughs> more than that it was before, at least when we were working on this project. Then it was uh, more of a dance class on evenings where uh, different choreographers or artistic duos were invited to share their work. And then we did a small zine together with them to also create another platform for them to share their work. And now it has become this bigger thematic publication on water uh, that will then also tour kind of around in different cities uh, and stage Delta events. So I don't know, now maybe Delta is, you know, it's it's becoming an institution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was also thinking the Delta's because I, I think also what's been quite beautiful in this process is also that you and me has become more of a duo, much more than before, I think, because we were so mm-hmm. busy with other projects and it was also smaller, the, the events in that sense, because it was one artist, they made the scene and, and it's much smaller. And here we all really have been, you know, editing and thinking together. So it's also been beautiful in that sense, somehow how it, yeah, how it became a thing in that sense. Right. Uh, yes, yeah. because the zines before, um, it was, I mean, we invited the artists to contribute with kind of whatever material that they wanted to uh, share in that format. So it wasn't the same kind of editorial process that we have in this publication where we have approached specific people and asked them to contribute, contribute with new 
work or with already published or um, yeah done work, so to say. Yes. How would you define the editorial process here? If we think about these fanzines before, yeah. for this number. I think it's been quite, in a way, it's been quite open because the theme is so simple in a sense. It's been like water and then somehow we try to take from a bit from my like bigger like our research project and then like taking from you know our own histories and collective experiences and whatever. So and somehow then you start seeing where things attach or how they meet each other. So I think it's really pores and like in a process, processual or how to say, uh, I would say. Uh, yeah, I, th I think quite open in that sense also. Not necessarily trying to fill the pages because we also didn't decide how many pages. So I think there's been a very beautiful way how to also end up in some kind of almost kind of like thing that is solid. <laughs> I'm saying this because the, the book itself is quite floppy. So it's also kind of like when you hold it, it's like a bit like like holding an octopus or something. Mm. That's our idea. <laughs> yeah, just like one quick question to the other question, or not question, uh, answer. Um, in our editorial process, uh, we talked a lot about that we want this book to uh, move or to be able to be moved somehow in these uh, settings of Delta events that when we have published it, it will be able to do something with a reader, an audience, with a space, and that we can stage kind of interventions with it. And we discussed a lot about like how can a reader participate in this publication? How will we create you know such content in it? And and therefore we also included some parts where. Um, there is, you know, uh, uh, you can cut actually in the pages. Uh, you can bring out stickers from some pages, and you also have to turn and move with the publication in order to read it. And also, the whole format is kind of, as Pontus said, it's almost wavy. So when you hold it, it's like moving in itself, and you really have to engage with your body. That was what our thought also, to be able to read it. I think also, like, how we ended up with the ring, uh, like the, to say, ring attachment or mm. binding, mm. the ring binding was also to have this kind of more collegi block or, like, workbook, yes. or how to say. Mm. And I think that was also one idea that we want, we don't want this to only stand in the bookshelf, we want it to be used. And Delta also means to participate in Swedish. So the whole idea with Delta is really to, to participate, to do something together. Uh, so here it's also really to like, uh, yeah, to do something with the book somehow, or you're participating with the book uh, in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's also water, uh, <laughs> like uh, it also means change, uh, which is also quite beautiful, I think. Uh, which I think Sar has done beautifully uh, in the design mm. to put the uh, uh, Greek uh, alphabet delta there mm. in the design. Mm. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah.
And it can shift then the yeah. meaning in yeah. different contexts or yeah. locations. Yeah. yeah, I think it's really f trying to also follow the logics of, like I, I think also hydrofeminism uh, has been a part, for me it's, it's because I've been working with it so long, and I think that there's also something there that also tries to really accommodate or meet what is here now somehow. And I think that has been also our wish to really, to make it plausible, or to say, yeah, that everyone can, you know, you find some kind of way to interact with it. Uh, I think that's also been really like a key uh, desire or interest to do. First of all, we thought about like um, adding possibilities to uh, add on content to the publication along the way that, you know, the Delta happens. So that is something that we're thinking about, you know, can, will something be able to be added to this or to something else that will process and evolve? Uh, and I mean, it's also, one can also, you know, expand the thought what, what the publication is and, and what it does if uh, the public setting of this Delta intervention is that we present the publication, but we also invite contributors from the publication, but also other contributors who are not yet in this publication. You know, how do they then edit or think along with these thematics, and, and how does that affect the reading of this publication? And yes, the, the, the practice mm. of, of it, mm. and it's becoming in, in that specific space. So I think that we're also, you know, want to kind of challenge that idea that when a publication is public, published, it is finished and it's complete. And no, it's, it's not. Uh, and how can we stage that so it becomes um, visible for those who participate or read or engage in the, the content that we have now published in, in this format? Yeah, I think back to also process somehow that process, like to also think further on that. And I also think now we're standing here at the index, and you have you know all the previous uh, posters of uh, of your editorial thinking uh, uh, on the top of each other. I think that also a beautiful image to maybe also think around here uh, uh, why maybe we're here. I think also very much. It's almost like it's different takes on the same thing, but they're also very specific in themselves somehow trying to somehow, I'm not sure if it's actually in a way harboring or like holding something for at least a moment to also consider it as a truth or as a proposal. Because uh, there is this kind of idea of moving, changing, but still it's not that vague. So I don't know, like the, back to also maybe if, if it's about kind of, uh, uh, how to say, yeah, it's a specific kind of sensitivity, at least, I would say. Bronwyn Bailey Charteris reads her text published at Delta. Hello. Is it too loud? Is it too much? No? Do you want to sit on a chair? Okay. <laughs> All right, good. Okay. Um, hi, everybody. It's very funny to have a microphone. <laughs> Maybe I'll just say thank you for having me and this pub beautiful publication. Um, Pontus and Isabella, thank you so, so much for your astute editing as well and the opportunity. And thank you, Index team, very much for having me. 
Okay, so first move, original rains. A score for sensing the precipitational. Let's begin. It's in the waters and it's a process of unlearning water. In the work Cloud Studies, the collective forensic architecture interview a man whose home in Gaza has just been bombed. He coughs into the microphone. I am breathing in my home. Dust, toxins, body parts, fumes, concrete itself, blown back into dust, time compressed, deleted, airborne. Let's begin again. Precipitation is a term for the process of water moving from clouds to earth, also known as rain. Now that all rain is acid rain in this dissolving climate, how can we approach the rain? I've been working with an image in my head around collective learning, where I think of collective learning, especially with art, as a kind of rain, both materially and metaphorically. The way the rain moves between us and of us explains my understanding of the way knowledge moves between us and of us. Ideas rain down on us, but also we carry the rains with us. They overflow, they move on without us, and as Estrida Nemanis writes in the book, Bodies of Water, we are all bodies of water. In this watery matter, I wanted to ask more about some sort of participation in art. How do we participate in these rains? And where do rains complicate participation? These are the questions I resonate with and what appears to me as a kind of answer uh, is a new word, a missing piece and the word is precipitational. It's a merging of participation and precipitation. So rain meets participation in the field of art and together they merge into a way of sensing, meet the precipitational. I take the word home with me, try it on, keep it around and it begins to perspire. It wants to reach out to others. It seems to be a word in a rush. It's always going somewhere, but now I have rushed ahead. So let's return to the beginning of all this. To begin again. Let's begin with the original. Before the B-sides and the covers, let's begin with the original rains. Scientist and writer Rachel Carson describes them best in her 1951 book, The Sea Around Us. To be at the beginning, you need to lay down and close your eyes. It's just better. Then you need to lean into it and breathe and hear the first rains. Rachel says that when the earth was molten, shiny, angry reds, hard to hold down, not yet settled, pubescent in some way, the planet we live on was unstable. This was right near the beginning. Clouds began to form, dense and diligent the clouds gathered. They grew in common. Rachel says that the gradually cooling earth was enveloped in heavy layers of clouds, which contained much of the water of the new planet. There was no release. The clouds became fuller and fuller, like maternal breasts with plentiful milk. Keep your eyes closed. There was no way to see through the clouds. As Rachel says, 
The rough outlines of the continents and the empty ocean basins were sculpted out of the surface of the earth in darkness. In darkness, the clouds can form. In darkness, the pleasure is heightened. In darkness, the suspense can grow. And as this new young planet, all lava and unsettled, was just as uneasy as it had ever been, it reached a tipping point. It touched something cool and immediately began to cool down itself. The hot land beginning to become what would eventually be land, but still rocks. No bacteria yet, no whales or unruly forest that was all still to come. But as the earth released its tantrum breath, let go of the heat, in the dark still, just then, quite suddenly, the first rains began. The clouds who had held in everything they had buried deep inside started to rain down. And Rachel says, never has there been such rains. And she says they fell continuously, day and night, days passing into months, into years, into centuries. The original rains were the first movement. I told you, precipitation, it's always going somewhere. It's busy, impatient, lustful. Someone told me the rain remembers where it has been and it's always trying to get back to where it was. It's searching, always listening to the longing of the land, trying to return. The first movement, you could call it the first dance, the first rhythm was the rain, moving minerals from the land to the hollow oceans, like wide mouths gaping open, waiting to be fed. The concave, empty ocean slowly began to fill with the rains and the minerals who the rains brought with them. Rachel says that over eons of time, the sea has grown ever more bitter with the salt of the continents. Saltiness, a taste in your mouth. Stay lying down, but you can open your eyes a little. Flickering pleasures of light. The saltiness of the seas are starting to brew. You could try licking. Run your finger from forehead to chin. Follow the contours. Sense what the rains delivered. They brought the salt. They moved. The first dance. In their first dance, the rains landed as puddles and then overflowed, unsatisfied, they moved into lakes. Still hungry, searching, they became rivers and deltas. And in their durational performance piece, the rains were insatiable, playing to full houses. The crowds were wild. Fans of the rains threw themselves into rivers, dragging themselves along, throbbing, moving wild parts. This was the beginning of the great dissolving endless, relentless, inescapable. The rains continued to make new pieces. They became a classic. Books were written about them, myths and cosmologies. Tempests stormed, arcs floated. The rains always played their part. Prayed to, hoped for. The rains continued their rhythmic performative practice of watering fields and oceans, substantiating every surface. And in this era, the precipitational flourished. And yet, as waters began to be controlled, the rains lost work. Regular venues had shut down, tours were cancelled, and as the waters became piped, resource management took over. Grey bureaucracies, toxic runoffs, the fun had started to go out of it. The rains became elusive, regressive, cancelling last minute. 
Songs were still sung about the rains, but they were never the headline act, and the precipitation was harder to locate. More and more, the rains became a worn-out backdrop. They were rolled in for special performances here and there, but the rains were frail, dusty, tired, toxic, drained. You can open your eyes now. You can even sit up. Um, it's a new day, and there is a workshop. It's where I'm being assembled. The parts to make me are squelchy organs slipping into place, bacteria multiplying, snuggling in, bendy fascia twisting and tracking. I am made of and with the factory. It's not dark here. With my organs shifting, gravity pulling at me, pieces fall into place, things ticked off a clipboard, in they go. There is no looping evaporation and precipitation here, and yet, there is a faint cloud in the corner of my vision, a shimmer of a small one hanging about by the door. Over time, there are more vapours coalescing on the floor, a quiet mist rolling inside. Quietly, the cloud approaches me. My eyes begin to close again and I am slowly undone. Pieces of me drifting, gathering, a sense of hunger returns. You can drift too now, Close your eyes again if you wish. Breathe into particles. Become vapour. Consensual, sensual cloud-making. Maybe the rains will play again. Thank you, Bronwyn, uh, for reading. That was beautiful. Um, I've been thinking around the work you've been doing, uh, the holistic approach maybe, or how maybe environmental thinking processes and there's a holistic uh, idea there uh, and there I'm wondering also about your research and how that plays into this yeah uni universe idea mm. somehow mm. Um, yeah I yeah there's a lot to say about that I guess like maybe we could start with um, the way that like I guess one thing, let's start with, with water. So there's ways of thinking about water that um, kind of diminish difference and that make us seem like we're all connected because we're all bodies of water. And there's some really interesting scholarship around the way that like we're not this like watery we. We are connected, but we're existing like in the climate crisis and affected by it really unevenly. And I guess this like this kind of idea of like uneven watery bodies is really interesting to me and really kind of pertinent in terms of like how we how we can um, reason or how I guess how I can research water but also hold on to difference. Um, so water as something really situated um, and relational and a street in Amanus always like writes about how waters always exist like in vessels. Mm. They don't just, like you never just experience water without it being in a body of water. Mm. And this like, these vessels, like these leaky kind of vessels that we're part of and circulate in, um, yeah, to me they're just really fascinating and really important to kind of understand, um, especially in the kind of climate crisis now. Mm. Mm. Do you want to talk a bit, uh, also speaking about research, do you mm. want to uh, talk a bit about uh, the term or practice hydrazine? and how that came about and maybe where you are with it now. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'd love to. I haven't talked about it that much, so I don't know how good I am at talking about it yet. But um, but the hydrocene is a curatorial theory that I developed as another ocene. So the Anthropocene, I, I think we're all pretty aware of its limitations about this human-centered and the idea that the human, you know, that the we're all somehow connected into this. But I guess like very much directed related to what I just said about that we're not this big kind of mush of watery we. We're like intersectionally engaging with each other at all times. And so the hydrocene is a curatorial theory that tries to kind of map and analyze and understand and kind of make points of connection between kind of critical water practices that I see um, that some artists are kind of leading us towards finding ways of collaborating with water, thinking with water, finding kind of water's agency um, Excuse me, yeah, water's agency is probably the most important part. And so the hydrocene for me is really about like naming that practice, but beyond naming, it's also about kind of like seeing ourselves as ingesting the climate crisis and the fact that we are, we are implicated within it as we are implicated within nature very much from an inside out perspective. So. I started to kind of lose faith in the term like outdoors or like anything that's over there because for me it's so much to do with the idea that nature or the climate and therefore the climate crisis is outdoors and over there and somewhere else when in fact it's like as much in our organs as it is like in the Arctic. So kind of helping, I think the hydrocene for me is a way of like using art to help us understand our points of connection mm. in this kind of planetary um, being that we are part of. Um, yes, uh, you wrote this uh, essay in February, mm -hmm. and thinking also now when you're reading it, uh, has something changed? Hmm. It has changed actually because the season has changed mm. quite dramatically here. I wrote it when it was um, snowing here, and there was a lot of snow. It was a year with a lot of snow in Stockholm. And so it was quite kind of ironic because I was trying to write about the rain and the fucking rain wasn't coming because it was just snowing everywhere um, and icy. And so kind of like trying to remember the rain and like draw upon my memories of it. And then what has happened kind of tr more tragically, like in the last week, there's been these really big floods in Australia and especially in New South Wales, the area that I'm from. And people have died and people's houses have floated away. and. It's the, it's the area that had the like really bad fires last year. So the water doesn't have anywhere to go because the whole mm. place is burnt. So, you know, like I'm writing these things, but I'm always constantly like aware that I'm writing in it in this kind of precarity of like lived climate things now. And that, um, yeah, and that like, that the weather isn't neutral. The weather is a phenomenon that we create and exist within um so yeah the weather changing is actually a big deal for me for this text between february and march yeah uh, we spoke a bit before me and isabella about uh, how did it come about that you started making this playlist because you when we were emailing you were kind of like ah, like i did this i'm not sure if that was the idea but i did this and we're like yeah sure uh, but it was also, it felt like it was, um, you were following something. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm also curious to, to understand what were you following. Mm. 
Yeah, it was really funny um, because I did make the playlist and I was like, wonderful, Pontus and Isabella will be so pleased with my playlist. And then you were like, what about the text you said you were going to write? I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I do need to write that too. But I'm glad that you, I'm glad you pushed me to do that because it was really worth it. Um, but the playlist, I don't know, I, there's a couple of different things about playlists, but one is that they're kind of romantic um, and I really wanted it to be a romantic kind of gesture. Um, like to myself but also to the rain and um I also felt like you know this kind of the playlist about rain like I don't know if you've noticed this before but I have like a kind of water playlist that I listen to a lot when I'm um, researching and writing about the hydrocene it's got like maybe a hundred songs or something like that and when I hear like new watery songs I try to add them but the rain has always been like number one on that playlist like the rain is just constantly coming up like everybody writes about the rain and they're always writing about it from quite a few different perspectives like sometimes it's like mournful and like sometimes it's really upbeat and like I don't know I just feel like the rains have like kind of the best um slack in the in the playlist they're the ones that have the most fun and they're the ones that move between the most states all the time um and then, like, second to that, I also was reading a lot about Rachel Carson, who I'm a bit obsessed with because her book is so beautiful. And then I was finding out um, that she had this kind of amazing, like, really close friend who was also her lover, um, Dorothy Freeman. And so Dorothy and, um, and Rachel they were really close over kind of, like, 11 years, also with Dorothy's husband. I think they were kind of all kind of close. But the romance was between... Um, Rachel and Dorothy and yeah I felt like there was a bit of like a dedication between those two and like I don't know like making a kind of romantic gesture towards those two as well with some kind of dedication to them in there which I think is kind of lovely uh, yeah it's great that we're coming into this because uh, I always felt maybe this is different from me and Isabel but I always felt it was a, a, there's, a there's a hint of uh, eroticism in your text also. And I'm also thinking about that kind of uh, uh, how you write in uh, eroticism in that, even if it's, uh, yeah, mm. even if it's just very minor somehow. Mm. But it feels like it, you're, ma you're making a point somewhere about it. Mm. I'm also wonder, curious about that. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I think of um, the erotic, like when Audre Lorde talks about it, she's got this amazing vision of like, the erotic as kind of like a battery pack or like as a power source that you kind of come to and you recharge in. Um, and I guess like queerdom has been an important part of my life that's also kind of offered that energy into my life. And I guess there's just something about that. And I mean, I have just written a piece about the erotics of the swamp mm. um, with Signe Hannesson's work. And um, for me, it really follows this kind of phrasing of how we like how we can kind of <clears throat> exist in this kind of mess together, mm. like in this toxicity and in this like kind of, yeah, in the mess, I would say. Like I think, I think the erotics help me to kind of think through like, okay, we're in this like complicated, like in the, um, the garbage song that's on the mm. playlist, like she's only happy when it's complicated. Mm. I think that really like sings to me a little bit, like that we kind of own that complication. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I think that's all kind of erotic-y, but hopefully it's not just like, hopefully it's kind of grounded. Um, that's what I'm hoping that comes across. 
No, I, I found it quite material also. So I think that's also one, like the intimacy, the material aspects of it mm. that I also find interesting somehow because it's also when you're talking about being with things or water being in you with you somehow. Mm. So that's also what I'm kind of interested to to think with or with you somehow about. But yeah. Mm. Mm. And like, yeah, maybe to that point, like I think the really big kind of part for me with the hydrocene is about like the my thesis is called ingesting the hydrocene mm. and it's really for me this ingestion is probably equally interesting to me as like the hydrocene itself the the hydrocene is like one term that i'm kind of offering towards like all the other terms mm. um mm. and i'm like highlighting something with it but the ingesting i guess is much more about yeah about how i i the kind of bigger reason for doing this research mm. i think is about the ingesting mm. 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 How it is for you to have this text by Rowan at the at the magazine at the publication at uh, Delta? How how do you relate to this text, and how this text is also related to other material? Mm. I think it's the first text uh, uh, in the publication. I think we were quite clear on that that we wanted it to be the first one, and I think it's also because probably also you know it's it's written. Let's begin. Let's begin again. So there is a few narratives that happens in the publication, which is this kind of returning, which also is you know part of the rain somehow it returns, and this kind of waves that returns and stuff. So I think that was one I think way how how we also understand it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes. And then also the the lyrics that follows after the text they are designed in um, uh, and, uh, you have to turn the publication in order to read it so it also invites you kind of at the moment to move your body and read with your body so that was also something that when we came up that mm. oh together with mm. Sara Common mm. the designer mm. Uh, that the, play the the lyrics could be placed in that way, we also felt that uh, it was a good start because, yeah, with the f first rain and then also you get to participate mm. as a reader mm. Mm. at the beginning. Mm. And in fact, in your text, there's a lot of movement as well. There's some kind of waves that are coming back and forth, mm. and then there's this rhythm that it's a that it's a musical. So it's connected somehow with this rainy thing, this mm -hmm. continuous thing that is going on, that it's following you, but you are part of it. Mm, exactly. It's nice to talk a bit about the lyrics, maybe, because, yeah, I really wanted it to be about like sensing the rains inside yourself, but also inside others. And I think that's maybe like also the thing about a playlist or a mixtape or like even like seeing something together with someone, like a gig or something, like you get this. Yeah, you get this like feeling where you have participated in it together and that's kind of the question like how do we participate in the rains together it's kind of the main question of the precipitational for me um yeah and i guess it's also just very misty you know like the rains are misty they they kind of um they they do have that returning and yeah and renewal and then they also can really be very damaging and destructive and so um yeah, so I think they've, they've kind of got this wonderful playlist they can draw on. But what I want to develop more kind of in the future with this work is like around this dance score, because it is a score and I would really love it to be activated as a score in other ways. Um, and I would really love to kind of 
also maybe kind of question a bit what is it to be at the beginning and is there a beginning and can I claim a beginning? Yeah, they're the kind of things I'd like to keep working on with, the, with this work. Sarah Kaman talks about the design of Delta with Pontus and Isabella. Uh, this is a landscape format publication um, that has a very glossy, shiny cover and uh, on the front it says Delta and Ocean Call with kind of um, wavy big black letters and then there's a lot of water bubbles uh, printed on top and then when you open it there is um, a spiral binding and then um, a brown gradient at the spine and then you when you flip the pages it's uh, yeah it, it lives its own life it's uh, Flowing. Floppy. Floppy. We, you said floppy, and I think we used it before also. Yeah. Wo- no, wobbly. Wobbly, wobbly yeah. sorry, wobbly. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's quite, yeah, it's wobbly. Yes, and then we have this movement oh, down yeah. here. Yes. yes, true. Do you want to talk about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, no, I don't have to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's not a rope, Dangling. yes. <laughs> we, we made a lot of jokes about this yet last night, so that's why I'm <laughs> laughing. Uh, <laughs> but it's um, a little uh, bottle, a glass bottle, uh, which contains, this one is with seaweed uh, scent that is part of Alice McKenzie's contribution to the publication. And it's attached to this uh, thread that is connected to the spine of the publication. So when you hold it, it also um, has its own dance kind of to it. So the whole publication wobbles and have a specific movement to it. And then when you observe it from the distance, you can also see the movement in this bottle. Mm. I mean, the liquid and the whole um, attachment. And yeah, it's a lot of movement. Mm. But When did I enter? Sometime in the winter before Christmas, I think you first asked, and it was took a while to figure out what this would be and what all the other Delta projects you're doing would be. And and then I think we started working on it more intensely in the beginning of the year, I think. You're all nodding. That's good. <laughs> so <laughs> approved. Um, yeah. And what was your first reaction? What was my first reaction? I mean, excitement, I think, because um, excitement about working with Pontes and Isabella, of course, and also but with the theme, uh, because because water, because water, because mm-hmm. it's water, and um, it's also. I mean, I've also been in the in bodies of water infatuation with Astrida Neimanis, and um, and also a bit of. I think apart from the excitement, I was a bit. Like it's such a massive topic, and so like essential that it felt a bit like daunting also, a bit to find a form for it. 
and to find a way to work with it that is fun and playful and serious somehow all at the same time yeah i yeah. think there was one thing we were also talking about that everyone has their approach or like let's say take on water mm. i think that was also something we also wanted from sarah because i also knew from before that sarah has an interest in this topic and as you were saying so there was also something there trying to figure out how what would what would sarah do uh, <laughs> 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 yeah yes. uh, as a, yeah Desire somehow. Yeah. But then we also came with a lot of like sketches and mm -hmm. ideas that we were like ping pointing or how are you saying, you ping know, ding 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 dong amongst each other. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was a fun process to like and also that sometimes I mean I know that we in the beginning talked about color. Mm. But then we were like, no. But then again, in the last minute, color came back. So yeah. that was also something that just, you know, a wave of yeah, something definitely. from the past mm. that mm. actually came into the yeah. final mm. design. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, like Isabella said, a lot of thinking about the form also came in dialogue with Pontus and Isabella about, like, also, I think the idea of, of making the book in a horizontal format mm. came from you mm. and um, just what happens if we if we do it in another way mm. like instead of the classical way mm. and I have I think I've never done a book in this <laughs> form before <laughs> um, but it became such an essential component of it the fact that it is like so long and so wobbly and so like yeah, I've never done a, a book this wobbly before. <laughs> <laughs> and now now it seems like, um, yeah, really like essential to the form that it is also, also like a physical experience of being with the book. Um, yeah, and also the, the point about the color, I think we discussed that and there was no color. And then towards the end, um, I had this sense that it was too cute somehow, that the, the design was like too nice or something, and then adding this like brown, gray gradient added, because water is not all like romantic and nice and like bubbles. It's also like a lot of a drama. So yeah, there's been a lot of elements that have been developed also in dialogue. Yeah, we made like several lineups and tried out like what if we, we had like one first that we thought that yeah, this can work. And then when we saw it and read it through, we made changes and then we made a last change. <laughs> because it's like, it's one thing to, I mean, we knew what the contributors would contribute with uh, but it's another thing when you see them in front of you and when you also see them in, in the order mm. of, that follows. Mm. And then you see how things connect uh, or are somehow connected and mm. that it would be interesting to read them in that order. Mm. So, uh, um, yeah.
it was an editorial process, one couldn't mm. really mm. say. Mm. <laughs> now we really feel like we have given it like value in a very different way than if we would just do it in you know a factory. So instead we become the factory, but then we, you know, we talk about other stuff. We talked about relationships while we were putting it together. Mm. And you know, so it gets this kind of, I think the different processes creates different kinds of glue. And I don't know, I think it's so important for us to do that at our, as artists also today, that we kind of create the circumstances, how to work. I find it super important. Mm. So I'm really happy. I think that's also why I know at least that I wanted to work with you because mm. I also know your like, ambition but also like um, how to say like uh, uh, how you like to work also creates a different kind of like relationship to us between us somehow mm -hmm. like and I think that's also yeah maybe sometimes personal also not just mm -hmm. uh, but it was a nice experience and it was nice to get familiar with the materials mm -hmm. because there are several different like papers and in in the publication mm -hmm. Uh, so it was, yeah, an experience to handle them and also put them together mm. uh, and then deciding on like where, how we should attach this bottle. We had different ideas and tried them out and like, yeah, it was a really physical process to, mm. you know, find the right place for, for these extra mm. things. Alice McKenzie works with cyanotypes for Delta. Okay, so today we're going to be making some cyanotype prints and it's one of the, it's a very early form of photography. I think like 1830 was the first time that people were making cyanotypes. And originally it was often, it was one of its first uses was for botanical prints, um, especially by a woman called Anna Atkins, who was a botanist that some of you may have already come across and she did an entire uh, she printed the world's first photography book called uh, it was something like seaweeds of the British Isles or something like this and if you haven't seen them you can google I think the actual art book itself is very rare and worth very much money but you can uh, google the prints and they're really fine beautiful images but I've been working with cyanotypes for a few years Partly because they, you can, it's they work with time and sunlight and potentially movement also, because you're you're working with the amount of time that the sun projects. So we're not actually going to do the chemical bit, but I brought the bottles in case you want to do it yourself at home. So it's two different chemicals: potassium ferrocyanide and ferric ammonium citrate, which I have. Googled and checked to see that they're not absolutely toxic and terrible for water. The internet says no, in case you were wondering. Um, and you mix them together, equal parts, and then you can treat any surface with this, so either paper or fabric or something else. I would really like to start working with fabric for it, actually, and laying it out to make costume out of, but we'll see one day with that. So I pre-prepped, we're going to work with like postcard sized prints for today because it's uh, easy to transport size. I've prepped some paper, I'm going to flash one out here and hope it doesn't start developing too fast. So there's a, it starts off green, the paint, um, and then when you expose it to sunlight, the stronger the light, the quicker it starts to develop. And anything that's blocking the paper 
um, will leak. First come out blue and then become, once you develop it, you stop the developing process when the paper becomes a kind of copperish dark colour. Um, and then by dipping it in water, it's, uh, it stops the chemical process. So then it can be in light without keeping going. Um, some of the things that's really nice is that obviously anything that only partially blocks the light, also shadow, things that move. I worked a bit with these with the scent extractions I was making, especially this really like iodine seaweed one, pouring it onto the uh, onto the paper as well. And then the vodka also reacts with the chemicals and starts to make different shapes. So these two were ones that I tried out yesterday, Blue Peter Styley, which maybe only means something to one person in this room. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and this was from uh, some crushed up seashells, and this one is uh, mugwort, which in Swedish is called grobo, and we haven't yet worked it out in Spanish, maybe we can yeah, Google, we can Google it, but in Latin it's Artemisia vulgaris. Um, yeah, so for, uh, for this, for Delta and Ocean Call, I was making cyanotypes with plant material that had been gathered alongside the water's edge, either in the water, so seaweed, or sea grasses of different kinds, or out of the water, especially medicinal plants I was working with. Yeah, because I also have practice working with medicinal plants. Choreography is with the inside as well as the outside. Uh, yeah, things that change you and that you change. So, this is very simple. You have a small clipboard, um, and I can give you, there's enough, I've made quite a lot of sheets of this, so you can do more than one. We can go looking around outside for things. It's very, very late winter, not really spring, so it might be working with either plant material that you find, like dead leaves, or you could also work with your own body or with anything that you find. There's also some catkins and some fur. I've gone for a little wander in the surrounding area. So what first looks like there's not a lot. See if there's something that you want to develop. Um, you can also, if you already have one of the publications and would like to try dropping some of the syntax direct onto the paper to see what that does, you can have a play. I think just for now, maybe we'll put them like this and try and keep the paper face down until you're ready to use it. And then when you've got whatever it is you want to develop, flip it over, put it on top, and keep it in some direct sunlight until it goes a coppery color, like a really dark green, almost blue copper color. But I'll also come out with you. Where do we take the water from? There's water over here. So when you're finished, that is a good idea. So once you've finished, um, once your image is developed and you want to stop the process, you come in and you lay the sheets of paper in here and they should be inside the water bath for, well, it says up to five minutes. I don't think you need a full five minutes, but you start to see when it stops shedding mm -hmm. color. So once the color stops, once it's no longer shedding any more color, it's done. And we can peg them up here. We've got pegs and these to leave them to dry. Yeah? All right, let's give it a try. Yeah, the texts. Uh, they're a collection of, uh, it's 
kind of writing into and through myth, mostly sea myths, um, and also some prose poetry. Uh, sea and rivers. There is also at least one river in there, or one estuary. Yeah, I've been interested. Well, I've been doing a kind of writing moving practice for several years, working with, I began with working with science fiction as a bodily practice. And the writing and the dancing, the studio and the writing were feeding each other in terms of thinking about perception and altered bodies and things that could be. Um, and then more recently, I've shifted towards working with, still, I'm still with science fiction, but mythology is coming through in different ways too. Um, mostly for the way in which what it is to work with already known stories. Because like, I'm not so interested, I don't, I'm not so interested in narrative as much as in uh, kind of the bodiliness of the, of the writing. So it's kind of a writing, thinking, moving into and alongside um, myth, in this case, a myth of the Selkies. There's also a mermaid in there, I think. Uh, a kraken, like this huge octopus. And then some other writing from alongside seashore. So writing with and alongside the water. How do I think about the choreographic approach of those movements yeah. or shifts or changes? I think that depends on what the setting is going, has, is going to be. So if, it's a, if the place is a book, then it's, for me, what happens between... Like, for me, a book is a very intimate performance. And so then what the choreography of that... Uh, what is it to have a sense that can accompany your reading? Or what is it to be able to uh, see the time of the cyanotype? Or, or even what is it to read up and down? Like, all of these things are the choreography of the intimacy of a book. And also, for me, a book has always been such a thing that comes into my body. Like, I read very physically. It's like this... Uh, physical impact of another through through a page. You are listening to Index Foundation podcast. <laughs>